I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Tell me something. When was the first time you got your own phone? For me, it was in the tenth grade when my parents deemed it worth the investment to track my whereabouts. However, my younger sibling actually received the first phone when they were in the eighth grade. And you know, it's becoming quite common for kids to receive their first phones really young. For example, according to Common Sense Media, which is a tech rating agency focused on child-centric policy research, in the U.S., nearly fifty percent of kids aged between eight to twelve have already gotten their first smartphone. And if you give it a thought, it's kind of scary. After all, teenagers are the most crucial for identity formation and self-image, and also the most susceptible to peer pressure. But now, with "quote unquote" mentions being the new social currency, social media is practically in charge of your well-being. But whether you're popular or not on the internet, there are no winners here. It's the dependence on the medium that locks you in. So that's why it makes sense why so many parents in the U.S. are now choosing to give their children smart watches instead of smartphones. Because smart watches support calling, texting, and GPS location sharing, meaning parents can stay in touch with their children, and the children can stay connected with their friends without the dependency and often the addiction of scrolling timelines that comes with social media. And as the Wall Street Journal reports, apparently over fifty thousand parents in the U.S. have signed a pledge promising not to give their kids smartphones till at least the eighth grade. But you know what's really interesting? While it's expected for parents who grew up without smartphones to see the evils of being terminally online, the interesting fact is that some of today's teens are also nodding their heads along in agreement. In fact, both parents and teens from across the U.S. have filed more than 200 lawsuits against social media companies like Meta and Snap over social media addiction. One state judge dismissed most of the cases, but allowed the overall lawsuit to advance based on the claims that the companies were negligent. And deliberately manipulated their underage users to spend more and more time on their platform. But this statement stands in contrast to that of another judge who, siding with these tech giants, blocked several legislations aimed at shielding children from the internet. And these are only a part of the larger struggle between social media giants and child protective legislation. India, for example, mandated parental consent for children to create social media accounts with the Digital Personal Data Protection Act of 2023. A survey by Local Circles, which is a community-based social media platform, also indicated that 73% of Indian parents wished for mandatory parental consent. The same report, just FII, also suggests that almost 60% of children spend more than three hours a day on social media. While it's important to shield children from the dark world of the internet, it's equally important to note that children without smartphones might feel a little left out in an increasingly wired world. I mean do you even remember what life was like before the internet and social media clogged our brains For the next few minutes you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology business policy and anything that leaves you with food for thought Hi I'm Shorbhuri and this is the deep dive for 16th October 2023 It's no secret that India aims to become the world's next manufacturing hub amidst the escalating tensions between the US and China. However, it's not a walk in the park. 
While there are other contenders in the race like Mexico and Vietnam, India also faces its own set of unique internal challenges. One of those hurdles is India's incapability to handle giant ships at its ports. These ultra-large container ships, sometimes as long as a 16-coach train, are now increasingly used to transport goods from Asia to Europe. A 2022 report from the Reserve Bank of India had highlighted that India's poor shipping connectivity has been hindering its integration into the global value chain. But now, with the inauguration of the Widingham port yesterday, which is located near the southernmost tip of the country in Kerala, India is hopeful of grabbing a bigger share of the international maritime trade. But wait, what is so special about this particular seaport that it can handle giant ships while others can't? So, Widingham is India's first deep water transshipment container port. I know transshipment container port is quite a mouthful, but all it really means is a port that acts as a middle point in the shipping of goods. It's where containers are moved from one ship to another. Now, what sets Viringham apart is its exceptional depth. None of India's existing seaports can actually match it. With a natural depth of 24 meters, Viringham is perfect for those massive container ships. This depth gives them the space that they need to maneuver without getting stuck. Viringham's depth is also comparable to international competing ports like Singapore, Colombo and Salala in Oman. What makes Viringham even more appealing is its proximity to international shipping routes. According to Bloomberg, these routes handle a whopping 30% of global cargo traffic. So here's the deal. If this port, with its impressive depth and strategic location, can draw those giant ships that usually bypass Indian ports, it could give India a significant boost in the global maritime trade arena. As Bloomberg points out, this development will further support India's ambition to becoming an alternative manufacturing hub by cutting down on logistics costs for cargo traveling to and from the country. This means that at least a portion of the nearly 75% of India's transshipment cargo which is currently handled at ports outside the country will now be handled at Viringham. While expectations for this port are sky high, it's crucial to bear in mind that it's still a work in progress. According to the Hindu, the overall construction progress of this port currently stands at 65.46%. So we'll have to wait for some more time, be it days, months or even years, before Vinningham operates at its full capacity. Now, we've discussed this new remarkable port, what it can do, what it can't do for India, but here's another crucial question. Who do you think is behind it? Well, this port is being developed in a collaboration between Kerala's government and Adani Ports which is India's largest private port operator. Bloomberg has noted that Gautam Adani, who already holds sway over ports, mines, airports and power utilities, will further solidify his status as India's infrastructure king through Viringham port. And by the way, just FII, this port has been a long time in the making. Its construction has faced delays due to various factors including natural disasters, a pandemic and often violent protests from local fishermen. Anyway, moving on, while Adani continues building Viringham, steel tycoon Sajjan Jindal is also looking to expand his port business. In fact, this month, Jindal Group's port business, namely JSW Infrastructure Limited, made a successful public market debut. While as per Bloomberg, Adani's Mundra port in Gujarat is alone bigger than Jindal Group's nine assets, 
Jindal can now give credible competition to Adani by partnering with the government, which is increasingly looking for private partners to expand and modernize government ports. As Bloomberg's Menaka Doshi points out, that offers JSW an opportunity to at least double the size of its business, depending on how aggressively Sajjan Jindal actually wants to play things. Looks like ports are the new hot business. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show some support. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.com. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IVM. This episode was written and researched by Dhruv Sharma and Anoop Sembad. Edited by Dinesh Narayanan. Produced by Manaswini. Mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvana. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are the signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. <laughs>